What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Quick Time, the podcast. We are a man short tonight. It's just me, B.A., holding in the fort with Brad Brown at the I.B. Bruin Beer Factory. Brad, man, how was your week? You actually got to go out to the racetrack this weekend. Cheers, race fans. Yes, I did. It was a, a great weekend for, for me. Uh, I got to go out to I-80 Speedway and watch the Casey's General Store Midwest Fall Brawl with the ASCS Tour. And, boy, if you missed that race, you missed one hell of a night. It, the, 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 the competition was awesome between the heat races, the qualifiers, the B and the A. All in all, it was a great night of racing. I was glad I was there to see it. Yeah, definitely. There was a hell of a battle between Sam Habertief Jr. and Roger Crockett. Uh, Sam Habertief uh, pulled off the victory. He's going to be joining us later on in the program, kind of recapping that I-80 Midwest Fall Brawl, talking a little bit about some bucket list races and also previewing the Hockey Memorial, which we'll do later on in the program as well. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, that uh, um, it was a great battle between uh, him and Je- uh, Rock, uh, Roger Crockett. Uh, they... They swapped the race uh, lead. There was uh, it was it was just a great race all in all, and uh, I'm sure that uh, Sam didn't want to see that caution with what was it two or three to go? Yeah, two or three to go, and uh, they don't put lap cars back yeah. in under five to go. So yeah. uh, put, put Roger right on his tail, and uh, you know it, it made for a great finish. You know, in in that race, there was a lot of money up for grabs, the bonus money. Uh, there was uh, seven thousand dollars in lap money, and I have yet to see a payout of who won what, but whoever was running first, second, third, fourth, fifth, 10th, and 15th got money. So uh, it was a, it was a very profitable night for everybody, even if you were running 15th. And then Matt Covington won uh, a $200 gift card from Speedway Motors for a hard charger. And as, as a result, he won $500 uh, in cash from Knox Vegas uh, for, for improving nine spots in the A feature. And then uh, Roger Crockett read the, led the most laps and got a $300 bonus from uh, – Knoxville Race, Raceway, I think it was. So, uh, man, it was a great night of racing. It was all in doubt uh, when you woke up on Saturday morning. Man, we got we got two inch and a half, two inches of rain all day, all week long. The ground was saturated. Uh, the Kaziskis did a great job of getting that track worked in and into to the fact that they were even putting water on the track before hot laps. And so uh, it was just a, it just worked out great. It was a, it was an amazing week, a night of racing. Yeah, definitely. Everything was up in the air a little bit. We had a, uh, the Bobby Parker Memorial was scheduled for Friday that got rained out. And just with all the rain and the moisture going around, even, even us going out to the racetrack was a little bit delayed. Uh, we, we kind of were trying to figure out what time we're going to leave, if we're going to go and whatnot. Uh, we ended up leaving, you know, shortly like five thirty, five forty-five. The races were supposed to start at six. I texted uh, uh, Dan T- <laughs> Dan Taylor. I can't even think of his name. <laughs> I texted Dan Taylor, you know, prior to you know, like, hey, are we going to start on time? You know, with all the rain, I know they were working the track. He's like, hell no, we're not starting on time. Uh, they were, I think, they were only maybe thirty minutes behind once we actually got to the racetrack. I mean, yeah, they got caught up and they they made that program roll along really damn well. For sure. I, I was told that at first about mid-morning that we'll be lucky to get started at 7. And so I made the, the call to leave Lincoln at 5.30, thinking that that would give us plenty of time. And shit, we get out of the car, and, and they're putting heat in the motors and so forth. So we get up by the time we get up in the stands and get you guys in the pits and, and so forth, uh, uh, hot laps were getting ready to get started, and then they just kept rolling. And they had to work the track a couple times, but... Uh, um, it turned. That just made a, a great night of racing. So uh, it it all worked out good. 
Are we getting dive bombed here by the uh, the the Japs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we live by the airport, so there's a helicopter just going by. <laughs> Definitely. Anyways, you know that brings me. You, you made the call to uh, leave at five thirty. That brings me to my shout out. My shout out is actually going to you. For, you know, giving the, this uh, poor-ass guy a ride, you know. <laughs> Had a little car issue, so that's another another story. If you've been following the podcast, I've been dealing with this damn car for a while. And then also, it's I got a, a Ford. Yes, it's a Ford. <laughs> but I also got a shout-out, uh, Todd Boyd. Um, about halfway up to the racetrack, I realized my dumbass left all my memory cards at home. Yeah. So <laughs> I texted Todd. I knew he's a late model photographer. He was there for the Super Late Model Series. I texted him, like, hey, bud, you got an extra uh, memory card I could borrow? Well, thankfully he did, uh, so my night wasn't ruined. I actually got to shoot the races and uh, had a great time. So thanks, uh, thanks for you, Brad, for giving me a ride, and thanks to Todd for the, uh, the old memory card. Anytime. I want to give a shout-out to my daughter for driving me home for various reasons. But uh, <laughs> um, it was a great night of racing. I want to give my shout-out to the Kaziskis. Uh, Joe and Steve worked their asses off, and I know there's a, a big support class that helped them. But uh, I got a, a, a message earlier in the after or in the morning saying that uh, if we get one more sprinkle of shower or I, I elaborate a little bit and said if somebody spits on the track we're going to get rained out but if if we get a little bit more moisture the the race is off but uh, boy they they worked their butts off they got the pits going all the teams uh, were patient and and waited to get into the pits. Uh, it turned out to be a great night of racing. The track was smooth. They had to rework the track a little bit because actually it was getting a little bit dry, so they had to till it up a little bit and get some moisture in there. And uh, it turned out to be a, a good night of racing. The late models put on a great show. It, it was just all in all for for twenty two bucks. It was it was it was worth worth every penny of it. You know what surprised me was with all the rain that we had, and obviously they you know they rolled the track in and got it hard and whatnot. But after the heat races, I was uh, kind of hanging out and. Uh, I was over by Joe. I think it was Joe. And uh, Rick Ideas, he was helping out Harley White, you know, that, okay. that night. And uh, he was asking Joe if they're going to rework the racetrack because they were getting close to losing tires. Right. Which, to me, the track, looked, it looked fine. It looked like there was a lot of moisture in there. But the fact that, you know, as much rain as we had that we could actually, you know, have a track to produce that would actually chew away any tires was was you know, a phenomenon to me. Yeah, I got a report that one team burned through a thousand dollars worth of tires just because it was so um, dry and abrasive, and that just—I uh, don't understand that. But uh, I got pictures of the tires, and they were definitely no good after heat. Uh, what was it, eight or ten lap heat race and so forth? So uh, that's very unfortunate. I hate to see that, but for whatever reason, uh, they put on one hell of a show, and it was—it was a a great great night for me to end my. 2020 racing season with three um, three sprint car races on the season. You know, we we've kid you know in the past that oh oh well Brad's only you know made 10 15 races or whatever, yeah. and I'm at 30 40. Yeah. Could you imagine? Have or could you even imagine? You know, having a season where you only went to three races. Never. My goal is to hit 20 to 25 races a year, and and I had the opportunity to go a lot more. But I just, I'm not comfortable with doing it. And I, I was able to sit in the suite this last weekend up there in the IED, brand new suites. And I felt comfortable with doing that, sharing it with about five or six of my friends. And so I went. But absolutely, this is, uh, I, I would have never guessed that I was going to get three races in this year. So you mentioned that you, you were living the suite life yes, this, sir. this past weekend at IED. So uh, you were up there with Alan. Um, I think Christy was up there from yeah. Knoxville Raceway, uh, the concessions girl, lady or girl. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> she runs uh, the concessions at uh, Knoxville, yes. But you mentioned to me that uh, Joe 
Kaczynski was up there prior to the feature, and they were asking about provisionals. So Mr. Brad Brown was the uh, the final say yes. in uh, who got the provisional. So, uh, Stu, I know you asked about it, so if you're going to blame anybody, you can blame Brad Brown now after I you hear the story. <laughs> I suggested who it was. <laughs> no, he, he was he was asked on the on the inter, or on this headset um, provisional uh, promoter provisional, and Joe was like, I don't I didn't even get to watch the races, so I have no idea. So I threw out three names who's who's deserving of the provisional, and he picked uh, a, a young kid from Washington and threw him in there, and so uh, that was pretty cool to be involved with that conversation. So. Uh, uh, and as a result, I mean, it just proof why I don't want to be an official and I don't want to own a racetrack is you pissed people off just by trying to do something good. So <laughs> uh, I, I, it was uh, it was just a, a suggestion and looking at the results of the B features, I threw out three names and he chose one and it, it was cool to be part of that conversation. Yeah, it's definitely something cool. I mean, I, I can imagine, you know, the track owner, uh, Joe Kaziski looking, I'd be like, well, who should I pick? And then, you know, <laughs> you just throw out three random names and uh, he, lo and hold, behold, he picks one of those. I'm not going to say who I pit or who I told him, but I, it was one local, and, Stu Snyder, and two and two <laughs> visitors. So uh, um, um, I'm going to throw Joe under the bus, and uh, I, I gave him three names, and he picked one. Yeah, Joe definitely had the final say in that decision. So uh, we can't hold Brad too reliable. On but that, like on I that said, one. it was cool to be just a part of the conversation. Definitely. So, uh, like I said earlier, we are going to be joined by Sam Habertube Jr. We're going to actually talk to James Roland coming up here pretty soon, kind of recap Eagle Raceway season and kind of. Kind of looking forward to what he has planned going on for the uh, the remainder part of the season. I don't think he's going to be hitting any any uh, sprint car races. He's more of a stock car boy. But I definitely can tell you if we we have a sprint car race around and I can get him, he's definitely going to go. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be joined by James, and uh, we'll like I said, we'll just kind of recap Eagle Raceway a little bit. Now it's time for the Eagle Raceway Roundup with track announcer James Rowland. Well, it's not really a roundup or anything like that as we have been off for the past week and we concluded the season at Eagle Raceway, but we got James on and we're just going to kind of recap the season in a whole. Uh, James, uh, what, what, what was the season like for you? Um, the season for me, you know, was uh, there was a lot of, you know, I really can't say downs. I wanted to say ups and downs, but really it was pretty positive. Uh, myself, personally, I got to spend a lot more time in the booth got to learn a little bit more about how that stuff works and learn what I need to make my eyesight work to call races. And then kind of transitioning to the last half of the season, I really went more back to the pit reporter deal since we were blessed enough to have Tom Grosso come back and help us out. So just kind of shifted into that and got back to watching a little bit more racing. And, you know, really it was a pretty epic season at Eagle where we only got to run 13 weeks in comparison to what would normally be a 20, 22 week season. But we ended up having, you know, 10 different winners and only three repeat winners. So definitely something pretty cool. And it goes to show kind of how even keeled and fair of a field you get out of the race saver cars and how much talent we have out there every week. Yeah, definitely. We saw that Adam Gillian uh, picked up the track championship. We talked about talked to him a little bit earlier this year in the podcast. Um, off the top of your head, do you know who won Rookie of the Year out there? Oh, man, I should have pulled that up on points because, it, I mean, obviously the season's done, so it's settled. Uh, I'm not sure. We had such a stout class of rookies. I, I should have paid a little bit more attention to that as the year went on instead of just saying, oh, hey, this rookie finished on the front stretch, this rookie finished on the front stretch. So that's my bad. 
Well, clearly it was a pretty competitive season out there at Eagle Raceway, and you had just uh, three repeat winners. Um, can you just give me a guesstimate? I don't expect you to know the exact number, but can you give me a guess, guesstimate about how many cars were you averaged out there every uh, Saturday night at Eagle? If I had to put it on an average, I want to say we had – you know, just average throughout the season, I would guess 28 to 30. I know we were getting like 35s and 36s a couple weeks before Race Saver Nationals, you know, on the contrary to what a lot of other classes do where they kind of start to dwindle off as the year comes to a close. We just kept getting more and more and more, and hopefully that keeps going that way. That's awesome. That's a, that's, that's a, a really good average car count, uh, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. For a weekly show, I mean – even with the race savers uh, during nationals, getting to talk to a lot of guys from out of town, you know, and just kind of asking them, it sounds like Pennsylvania is really starting to take off in their race saver car count. Texas is averaging about 20, but still it kind of just shows that Eagle's really the top of the heat for these guys right now. And hopefully it continues to grow not only at Eagle, but around the nation. Yeah, definitely. I just pulled out the points and it looks like Troy Sanford was the rookie of the year. Um, he had a pretty good battle going on with Gunner Pike. I think if uh, Gunner didn't get hurt the last couple weeks of the year, uh, the points would have been a little bit closer. Oh, it would have been a dogfight for sure. And Troy's a good kid, definitely deserving of that. It was really impressive to see somebody come out of the Modifieds when you you know go from a four-bar setup on a bigger, wider car and you know even dumbing down the horsepower a little bit, jumping into the sprint car, but... It's a whole different beast when you get into one of those things, and it's really impressive the way that he took off with it and really had some super stellar runs. Yeah, I, I saw that. You mentioned you know, when we did our recaps that he was on the front stretch quite a bit. So the uh, victory I do not think is far from uh, coming. Hopefully he can pull one off next season. Oh, I, you know, if I were a betting man, which I'm not because I live in Nebraska and I like to be a good boy, <laughs> Um, I, I would say that he probably picks one up within the first half of next year because he was definitely on a mission from the beginning to the end of the season. You know, Race Saver Nationals didn't quite go as well as they had expected, but when you get 80-some cars compared to 30-some cars, you obviously got to anticipate that there's going to be a lot of competition in the house and a lot of different skill levels. And he did a pretty, you know, he had a pretty impressive Sunday all in all, really, with the alphabet soup. Yeah, he definitely did a good job out there. Um, have you heard any rumors of anybody moving up from uh, one of the the support classes from either a sport mod or you know hobby stock or anything sport like that? Sport compacts or sport compacts or anything like that. Anybody that might be moving up to a sprint car next season? You know, I haven't heard of anything set in stone yet. I mean, there was a lot of you know I, I I'll call it beer cooler talk instead of water cooler talk, but there's definitely been a couple guys that have talked about it, but I really haven't seen it or heard anybody kind of put their checkbook where their mouth is. But I would definitely like to see the rookie class continue to grow as years go on and on. I think we're going to be in for a, you know, real mix up with Eagle dropping the compacts for stock cars. I think there's going to be a lot of folks moving around and I think we're going to see a lot of double duty. Honestly, if I had to list a dream, I think it would be kind of cool to see uh, Jesse Sobbing runs the modified and the stock cars, I think it'd be kind of cool if he were to put a 305 between his knees and see what he can do. I think we could have a lot of those guys. I mean, Jordan Grabowski is another one who's not far off from a 305 victory. So that just opens the door. We could have the same winner in three different classes next year. 
Yeah, definitely. You mentioned Jordan a little bit. I mean, you could even see him doing triple duty next year with the addition of the IMCA stock cards. Oh, absolutely. That would that would be a tiring night if you know if he he tried <laughs> that one. I'd hate to be the one that have to wash the driver's suit the next day. That's what dry cleaners are for. <laughs> I guess so. All right. So with that being said, uh, what are you looking forward to in the off season? You got any plans? Are you going to hit any races coming up, or uh, are you just going to kind of stay low and uh, hang out? Um, really the rest of my year's schedule is kind of stock car country. I'm going to take my first trip over to Corning, Iowa for their tradition special. I haven't been over there before. Um, I'm going to attempt to go to Harlan here in a couple of weeks for their Saturday portion of the tiny lunge and then Beatrice for Oktoberfest. But my real outlook up to the beginning of the year, I want to go check out that gateway duel if that gets to happen with all the COVID stuff. And I, Really want to try to make it down for the Friday and Saturday portion of the Chili Bowl. Yeah, we're all kind of holding our breath to see what happens with that Chili Bowl. Exactly. Well, it's after November 3rd, so it's all going to happen, right? That's what they yeah, say. Yeah, right? <laughs> Just like the PRA <laughs> show. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, so, hey, that's after November 3rd, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, but they already canceled. They pulled the plug on that earlier this week. Damn. We just can't <laughs> keep anything nice. That's why we can't have a nice thing. That's for sure. All right. Well, I want to I want to thank you for jumping on with us. It's been a fun season, uh, you know, for season one of the podcast. Uh, it's been a great having you on as an addition. Uh, we we thank you for all your insight and uh, just kind of helping out with uh, the eyes at the Eagle Raceway when we can't be there. Man, I've told you a thousand times. I'm super grateful to be here. My microphones are supposed to show up tomorrow, so I'm going to try to get something going a little bit more on the uh, fender car side of things and still help you guys out as much as I can. So I'm definitely looking forward to a big year next year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, we're hoping for a, a full season next year and not none of this COVID, uh, COVID crap, you know, hanging around. Are you doing dishes back there or something, man? It just got stuff crinkling in the background, all kinds of stuff. He's a working man. Uh, sweeping floors. <laughs> sweeping floors. All right. Well, like I said, thanks for, you know, taking your time out of your work schedule. I will not tell LPS that you are doing this. Uh, there's no evidence. And... <laughs> And, uh, exactly. And thanks for jumping on with us, James. <laughs> thanks, James. Hey, absolutely. Anytime. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. That was James Roland. Kind of just, you know, kind of recapping Eagle Raceway a little bit from this past season. Uh, like I said, thanks for having him jump on with us. It's been great having him out at Eagle every week when we can't be there. Kind of just recapping the races there. Yeah, he's got some good insight of what's going on over there. I mean, I know this is mostly a sprint car podcast, but uh, uh, just – it's nice to have him give us a little bit of information on what's going on there every weekend and the drivers and so forth. So it's pretty awesome that there were 13 races and 10 different drivers. Uh, so clearly a competitive season out there. So, yeah, congratulations to Adam on the championship, Troy Sanford on the Rookie of the Year. Hopefully we see a couple guys move up from the classes and, uh, you know, have another Rookie of the Year battle. We had three rookies out there with uh, with Troy, Gunner, and uh, Jordan Grabowski out there. So hopefully we can see something like that continue. It's always nice to see you guys move up. Yeah, it's always nice to watch young talent and, and see what they can do in the next class because, in my opinion, you you got to win at the class you're at before you can move up, and uh, several of them clearly do that. And so it's uh, – and, and to be competitive at that next level is pretty impressive. So sorry to hear about Gunnar getting hurt and seeing what this could uh, – the, the rookie championship could have uh, turned out to be, but uh, it is what it is. And so uh, heal up Gunnar and get ready for next year. That's right. All right, we'll take another break. Well, our first break, and we'll be back with tonight's special guest, Sam Paperteeth Jr., the winner of the ASCS Midwest Fall Brawl over at IED this past weekend. Time for yeah, you damn right I 
got the lap out there. I'm fine. I just had to deal with my asshole uh, teammates deep in. Pisser, piece of shit. All that stupid ass flagman. They got a dumbass flagman that can't see. All right, thanks for joining us on the phone today. Is Sam Hapertief Jr. the winner of the ASCS Midwest Fall Ball at I-80 Speedway this past Sunday? Sam, it was a good weekend for you here in Nebraska to kind of talk about your night a little bit. Yeah, we just we come out of the box and I felt really good all night long. Uh, we we felt like we definitely have a car to contend with all night, and and uh, we just kept making changes, making changes, making changes. And, we actually, for, for the first time all night, we, we actually missed it for the feature. But, you know, we stuck with it and, and uh, you know, we held out and, and uh, you know, we kind of got in the right part of the racetrack at the right time and, and uh, you know, snuck the win out. Now, now, wait a minute there. You said you missed it and you were running second and then you, you had a hell of a battle with uh, Roger Crockett. How Explain that to the, the normal fan in the stands. How do you miss it and still get be right there for the win? Uh, you know, we just we just didn't really have our car the way the way it handled in the heat and in in the qualifier. We just didn't have it as good. You know, we we didn't we didn't make a, enough right changes. Uh, you know, and didn't didn't stay up with the track conditions well enough, and and it really you know really kind of hampered us when the track got to a point in the middle of the race where you know we were lacking a lot of grip, and then towards the end it started to clean off a little bit, and uh, you know a little bit of grip came back for us, but. Uh, yeah, our car could have been definitely a lot better. Like I say, we just just got lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time, and and uh, you know capitalize on on the track conditions when they change there at the end. So, if your car was off just a bit, what, as a driver, what can you do in the cockpit to, I don't know, find a better line? Or I know you can move the wing up or back a little bit, but is there any other adjustments you can make to the car other than um, changing your line a little bit? Oh, you know, main thing, just the way, the way I was driving it, you know, maybe, you know, like usually I like to carry a lot of speed and, and, uh, you know, Roger was actually rolling way down there in three and four and, and, uh, you know, really almost hitting the inside wall to get off of four really well. And at that point in the race, that's where you needed to be. And, and I didn't quite realize that you had to get slowed down that much to, to make it work. So he, he definitely had an advantage there at that point in the race. And then, you know, later on in the feature the track kind of wore away and it kind of went back up to the top where i was running initially anyway so like i say the track kind of came back to me and and uh, kind of went away from him but yeah he definitely had the better car no doubt about it yeah you mentioned track conditions there a little bit we had rain here all week long it was surprising we even got this race in uh they've kind of farmed the track here and there throughout the night uh going into that feature um did it throw you for a loop with just how i want to say heavy it was because it was throwing mud like like a mother out there but then it also kind of slipped off towards the end. No, I mean, it really didn't throw us for a loop. I honestly thought it would have played rubber quicker. Uh, and it really surprised me. I didn't think we'd make it all the way on tires because we'd been chewing tires up throughout the night. But uh, they were, they did a really good job on the track to to get it back to the point it was for the feature. And, and uh, to have to have all, all cars that started, nobody popped the tires the whole time. That was pretty impressive to go 35 laps around that place and, and nobody's blow a tire was uh, it was very impressive, and, and they did a hell of a job with the racetrack. I was very pleased with uh, with everything. You know, when we got there, the pits were you know not drivable. You know, we couldn't drive rigs on them, so uh, they did a hell of a job to to get the track ready and, and and to get the pits you know to where we could actually park down there. 
I couldn't believe they were putting water on the track before before hot laps. I mean, with all that rain and so forth, uh, I, I guess they still put water on the track, and that just I, I was un, I was amazed by that. Yeah, they 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 got it. You know, we got there pretty early, about noon, and, and they had actually sheep hooded the track quite a bit, and, and they got it really hard, and, and which is what they needed to do. And, you know, with late models coming in and us as well, um, they definitely had to get it hard so you know it wouldn't rut up. But there was definitely moisture down low, and and in in some places, and and if they would have overwatered it, they probably would have been in trouble. Yeah, we got we got a text message saying from uh, the track owner earlier in the night saying if anybody spits on this racetrack, we're getting rained out. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. So uh, your season, you have seven wins on the season so far. Uh, it's kind of been a crazy year with the whole COVID situation, but how would you rate your season so far this year? Well, you know, we've really focused on a lot of four ten races this year. I, I mean, I'm sure we ran more four ten races than three sixty races, and. And uh, we honestly, I, you know, I, I expected to be a little further along with our 410 program than we are right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're not. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, we're not figuring out and, and we're trying to. Just, uh, you know, we're just still struggling some. We kind of got our qualifying stuff figured out for the most part. But uh, we, we're, we're trying different things on, on cars and stuff and, and trying to get better. Uh, but our 360 program, I mean, we've been we've been pretty dominant. I'm pretty pleased with it. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we haven't been as good as we should be. So, you know, we're making some changes this week, trying to get back to uh, you know to where you know we feel like we have a dominant car. Well, I know you started off uh, the season with uh, four tens and committing to the All Stars, and then with COVID and everybody's schedule changing and a bunch of months going by with no racing. Is, is that what played the, the biggest role into you getting back into the 360 or um, is, is there, I mean, why the change to um, lately, it seems like you're doing more 360 than 410, but I know you keep dabbing into that 410 and, and you're obviously working on getting it better. Is it, is that more COVID that caused the, the little bit of the schedule change? Yeah, it was a couple of things, you know, we, we had some, we lost some personnel that we really needed you know, at the, at the beginning of the year. And that, that, that pretty well hurt us to, you know, to get out on the road and, and do, you know, if you're going to go out and run something that you, obviously that you haven't been familiar with, you need the right people around you. And, and uh, it was just like at that time, it just wasn't something that was uh, something we could go out and go out into Pennsylvania and Ohio and stay out for, you know, two, three, four weeks. And, and we, you know, it's just something we weren't going to be able to do. And, and I didn't want to commit to something that we couldn't do. And, and with the COVID deal, you know, he never knew from week to week, you know, if we were going to get shut down again or if the, a race was going to get canceled or, or what was going to happen. And, you know, talked to a lot of the series and, you know, a lot of the series for the most part for a while couldn't book, you know, a race a month away. So, right. like I say, just all those things kind of compacted all at once. And, and uh, you know, we had to make a decision at the time whether we were going to chase points with ASCS chase points with all stars you know we'd run we'd run at the current time we'd run every race with every series so we really had to make a decision and and uh yeah the all stars were kind of up in the air you know with what they were going to do they had to hit a certain number of races to pay full point funds so you know in our position you know the ASDS deal sounded like the smarter thing for us to do at the time yeah and that, that's what i appreciate a lot of fans out there uh they they don't understand the dynamics of racing and uh, you commit to the all stars, but then you change. They don't understand that it, 
it's a fluid schedule, and especially in this COVID time. And Danny Dietrich dop- dropped off the All Stars. Uh, Brock Zirfoss. It's just it it's it wasn't made for their team, and so they had to go back and do something that was smarter for their team. So I completely understand what you're talking about there. But uh, you have a 138 point lead going into this weekend's uh, Hockett uh, McMillan Memorial Race. So um, you're, you're you're pretty comfortable up there. But I, obviously, every race counts. So. Uh, um, I, I completely understand. So, what, what's your outlook on this weekend's race? Uh, you know, we're all. I'm always excited to go to Lucas Oil Speedway. It's probably one of our favorite places to go. We seem to have a very good car there. Years past, uh, you know, we won it back to back a couple of years ago, and uh, last year we just really had a lot of bad luck there. Yeah, had probably one of the fastest cars. Just you know, I made a lot of mistakes as a driver, and, and uh, you know, this year we're coming back in. And, and uh, we feel feel really good going in there. Like I say, it's a it's a track that really fits our program really well. It kind of kind of works into everything that we do good in, in, in a race car. So um, pretty pretty excited about going. And there's going to be over 80 cars. So yeah, it's definitely going to be a big show. And uh, like I say, everybody in our team is excited to get there. And and uh, just uh, we, we got a got a new car coming together this weekend. So hopefully, you know, hopefully we got it working really good this weekend too. And and, uh, you know, we can come out on top by the end of the three days. Yeah, that's a bucket list track for me. I got to get to that track. It's not that far from my house, so uh, I got to get to that track. It's probably one of the nicest facilities out there. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, definitely. I, I hear really great things. I have an opportunity to go a couple times, but I just never pulled the trigger on it. You said uh, with 80 cars there, I think there's 75 registered right now, so just around 80 cars. What's it going to take to beat everybody else out there at that place? Uh, you know, it's... You know, in any time you've got a field of that that many cars, it, it takes a lot of luck. You know, you've got to you got to draw good heat races. Uh, you know, when you you get in your qualifier, you gotta you gotta have you know the right cars to pass in your qualifier. You know, if you get a qualifier with a bunch of really good cars in it, and you and you can't pass, you know, you, you get in trouble. So, you know, in situations like that, you know, draw really does matter a lot. You know, people don't realize you know like when we're in a normal format like we were. This last weekend, you know, there's only 41 cars, so it makes it a little easier to, to maneuver through 41 cars, and you got 80 cars, double that. It, you know, it changes a lot of things, and and uh, you just, you really got, you know, you obviously you got to have a really good race car, but you also have to have, you know, you know the stars have to align. You know, the guy that wins the race on, on Saturday night might not have the fastest car, but, you know, he had the best weekend because, you know, his draw and, and uh, you know, and, 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 you know, car could be included, but, you know, all that goes hand in hand. You know, I felt like we had the best car there last year and we didn't even make the show. So uh, if things don't line up right, you know, it's just not your week. I got a question about your team, uh, the the Hills Racing Team. Uh, this last weekend at I-80, you had, uh, they had three cars represented there with uh, the 47X of Dylan Westbrook and then your car and then the 77X of Alex Hill. Um it, this team, and, and I know there's a couple more up you know, that race up there in the the Canada Oshwigan uh, area. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the the makeup of this team? I mean, do you are you guys able to share information to help each other out, or are you um, coaching a little bit with Alex and Dylan? I know Dylan's pretty dang good up there in, in Oshwigan, but uh, Alex is definitely learning and getting better every year. Uh, can you give us a little idea about the makeup of the the Hills Racing Team? Well, you know, when we started out a couple of years ago, um, you know, basically started out, you know, I was to go out and, and uh, you know, run our program the way that we ran it, you know, years before 
I had actually started with the Hills Racing team, and and uh, but one of the rec- one of the one of my requirements was to help Alex along as well, and, and and try to help her, you know, as a driver's coach and things like that, and and you know we did that the first year, and then you know going into the second year, you know she kind of was on her own, and and uh, definitely you know there's definitely information you know change exchange between teams, no doubt about that, but you know the more and more we do things, we realize that. Yeah, every single one of us likes different things with our race cars. So, you know, some knowledge can be passed to others, and, and, it, and it does work that way. But, uh, you know, for the most part, you know, once once these once the other other two teams kind of find the stuff that works for them, you know, they kind of stay on that. You know, even if we're winning with stuff that we, that works for us, you know, sometimes that stuff doesn't work for them. So, oh, yeah. we've uh, we definitely trade information out, but it's. It doesn't always, you know, whatever works in my car doesn't always work in their car. So it's just, uh, like I say, there, and it's a good thing. I mean, there's, it, it gives me kind of a different frame of mind sometimes when, you know, when we're struggling, you know, sometimes they're doing some stuff that might be better for us and, you know, and vice versa for the other way. So there's definitely, you know, definitely information passed along, but, you know, everybody kind of has their own gig that they do. Do you guys uh, run the same equipment for the most part, chassis, motors, or is, is each one individualized with each uh, each driver? Yeah, basically, you know, like I said, when we started this deal a couple of years ago, you know, we started out with me kind of figuring out the parts that we would run and the places we would run them. You know, for all of our 360 stuff, you know, we, we had a pretty good handle on the ASCS stuff, you know, before, uh-huh. before I started driving for Hills, so you know, he, he, he basically brought me in there to get the right equipment in the right places. And, and, uh, you know, we did that and, and that's basically been passed down to the other teams. And, and they're, you know, like I say, they're, we're all basically all the same equipment. You know, we all run Fisher motors. Yeah. We, we dabbled around with cool, we, with cool chassis a little bit, which is what they do run. And, and, uh, you know, we, we've primarily stayed on the J and J cars, but as far as other, other, the other equipment, you know, everything's all the same. Yeah. Well, thanks for answering that. I don't know that it really means anything to anybody, but I was just curious of what you run because you, I, I, if I remember right, you've been a J and J supporter for a long time, haven't you? Yeah, we've, we've been, uh, you know, back years ago, we were on them for quite a while and then, you know, we kind of got off of them for a little bit, you know, just with different car owners, you know, yeah. they, they want you to run different things, but, uh, you know, if it's ever been my decision, you know, that's what we do decide to run for sure. Okay, so I'm I'm kind of idiot an idiot when it comes to like the chassis. They all look the same to me. Is there really a big difference between, you know, a Maxima J and J or an Eagle or anything like that? I wouldn't say there's a huge difference at all. You know, there's there's specifications that certain guys like with their race cars, like you know, just certain things, uh, as far as the way they're built, you know, the way they suit the driver. You know, just different manufacturers you know, they, they can all do the same thing. They can all produce the same product. But uh, as far as like the car pickup points and things of that nature, most all sprint cars are really close to the same. You know, there's very few differences, but you know, it's, you could buy 10 cars from a lot of manufacturers and all 10 of them are going to be a little bit different in some way. They get to handle a little bit different in some way. And, you know, that's your job as a, as a mechanic and a race car driver is to adapt and make the right changes to make them work. Well, before we let you go, I got one question going back to the Casey's General Store Fall Brawl. Um, heat three, you and Jack Dover. 
an amazing race. And from a fan that was sitting up there in the stands, how you guys do what you guys do is amazing. But you guys were sliding each other side by side, wheel to wheel. You never made contact with with each other. Um, do you remember that race? And can you tell us much about it? I mean, it was just it was a, an impressive race to watch uh, for for a heat race. Yeah, um, we actually got a pretty good run there and, and uh, got going pretty good and probably probably hit a few spots on the racetrack that he probably didn't know was better at the time. And, and uh, yeah, we got by him. And I, I thought I'd had him gone. I thought I was gone from for good. And uh, he got he got back by me in there in three. And, you know, sometimes I just I try to be smart in the car and, and realize, you know, kind of where we're at. And, and uh, we'd already started eighth in the heat and we we're up to second. So, you know, at that point, we're, we're one of the high point guys. So, you know, us to get the first wasn't going to gain us much more ground. So I didn't really want to press the issue. You know, I knew he was racing hard too. And, and, uh, you know, not worried that we would crash. Just, uh, sometimes, you know, it's not worth giving everything you got every time, right. you know, in that format, you know, in that format, it's not, it's not always everything. Now, if it's an all-star deal where he had to win the heat race to be in the dash, well, you know, of course we'd have really tried to win the heat race, uh, and I'm not even saying that we would have beat him, but you know, in that situation, I just, I kind of, I, I thought about it and, and fell back in and said, okay, we'll ride it out. If, if it's an easy pass, we'll go by, but you know, if not, you know, we don't need to, don't need to press anything because we're already sitting so good point. Shit. My elbows were up and I was just sitting up in the stands. So that was, <laughs> that was impressive. <laughs> All right, well, Sam, I want to thank you for jumping on with us, taking time out of your day uh, to just, you know, kind of recap I-80 and uh, your week ahead. Uh, before we let you go, is there any, besides the Hockett, is there anything, any race out there that you're looking really looking forward to this year? Uh, you know, the races that we already already ran were the ones we were really looking forward to. You know, 360 Nationals at Knoxville is always, is always a race that we've wanted to win. And I really felt like we had a good car to be able to do it this year. And we got in a crash there the first night and, you know, put us so far behind, you know, had to come out of the B and got up into the A, but, uh, you know, definitely wasn't what we wanted, but, you know, short track nationals is coming up and I, I bet we won a prelim at least three, maybe four times. I don't even know, but we've, and we've run second probably two, three, four times too. So, you know, this year I, I'd really like to finally, finally you know secure that race and to win that one would be awesome you know that race and and the uh, 360 nationals at knoxville are the only two major 360 races we have won. so like i say those are two races that we always look forward to winning because the two that that has escaped us for so long yeah i've been down in the short track a couple times and it's an awesome race i've been trying to get brad to go the last couple of years but uh he still hasn't pulled the trigger on me yet i still want to load up my camper and head down there but man i just it just never works out the right time of year for me. So sorry, go ahead. Yeah, they do those days. Sometimes it's rainy, but uh, once since they've moved the race up to, to the beginning of, of October, it's actually been really good for for the weather and everything in the last few years. And and uh, it's I, I suspect it's going to be another awesome race this year. Yeah, definitely. So I want to wish you good luck this weekend at the Hockett. Uh, hopefully, uh, you pick up another victory, and uh, you can then then down a short track later on this year, you can knock that off your uh, bucket list to win. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, that was Sam Haberteeth Jr. talking uh, a little bit of everything. You know, recapping the I eighty uh, fall brawl, and uh, you know, a bucket list win. He wants a couple bucket list wins. He just wants to knock off his uh, his list there with the uh, Knoxville three hundred and sixty Nationals and the short track Nationals down in Little Rock. 
Well, with, with him racing 360, uh, the ASAS National Tour, uh, he, he's he's definitely the best driver on the tour. He's he's proven that the last two or three years winning the championship, and he's got five wins this year, and the next person has one win. Um, so he's definitely got to be the favorite going into that. He's got some great equipment in the Hills Racing Team. So, uh, yeah, he's he's got to be the favorite. And like I just said, that's a bucket list race I want to go to, and uh, it just – I don't know if it's I'm chicken or I it just uh, Little Rock, Arkansas is a long drive from here. It's actually not too bad of a drive. Do they have an airport there? We could fly. They do have an airport <laughs> there, and I, I know a guy down there that could pick us up too. And uh, we probably could, probably could even crash at his house. The first time I went down there, uh, it was me and Mike Peterson. Push truck Mike over at Eagle. Push right? truck Mike. Yep, everybody knows push truck Mike down at Eagle. Uh, so we got a wild hair up our ass. We're like, hey, let's go to Short Track Nationals. Well, he was already on the road. He was, you know, he was hauling cars at the time. He's like, well, okay, I'll be down there. He'll, he'll book a hotel room, and I'll drive down there, you know, the night before the races. So I get down there, and we're in this – it's Little Rock. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a fucking different little scenario down there. For sure. They do, a little, they do things a little different down in Arkansas. So anyways, the first time I get there, I, I stop and get gas. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm in this shithole. I, you know, I don't even know where I'm at. It's a shithole gas station. Well, there's a guy who comes up. Can I borrow a couple of dollars? You know, I need to get some gas. He's driving a brand-new Cadillac. I'm like, fuck this. You know? <laughs> nope, I'm good, man. You know? <laughs> so we get down to our hotel room, and it's in a dry county, Little Rock, dry county. And then on our bathroom uh little counter is bottle openers don't get it bottle openers bottle openers for the beers <laughs> but you can't buy a beer in this county right yeah. across the county line though there's six liquor stores yeah. right across too i'm sure right across yeah. well, and not go ahead. Uh, not to mention uh walmart there was a walmart and right across the highway was another walmart are you serious yep different county but there was one walmart there and walmart one walmart wow. right across the highway in a different county it, it's it's strange. Well, I, I keep up with the race results, obviously, uh, um, and just keeping up with I thirty Speedway. Man, they have some good competition down there. Some really good drivers. Uh, it's a one third mile track. It's not nearly high as banked as uh, as Eagle, but man, they can put on a great show. And I've watched a lot of uh, um, videos or highlights or whatever, and they they put on good races down there. And and you, you got to he might be have his. Uh, um, Meet his match, you know, Sam might, because uh, Mark Smith is going to be there, and Mark Smith has got the second most wins behind Kyle Larson. So uh, Mark is no slouch, and he's got these three sixties figured out. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch that race. Yeah, definitely the Short Track Nationals. If you can ever get down there, I highly suggest it. I want to get down there again. Uh, hopefully, we can one of these years. Not this year with the whole COVID situation, yeah. but. Maybe one of these years we'll get Brad talked into going down there. He can haul that camper, then I got a place to stay. <laughs> yeah, we could do it because it'd be so much fun. Definitely. All right, we're going to take a break and uh, we'll be right back and kind of recap uh, the week ahead. It's time for Thunder Relived. We dig deep into the USAC vault to relive the heroes of Thunder from yesteryear. Relive all the thrills, spills, and greatest moments from USAC's sprint, midget, and silver crown history with a roundtable in-depth discussion from USAC's key figures, past and present. Watch Thunder Relived every Thursday and Saturday night at 8 p.m. Eastern on Flow Racing. Uh, there's actually a couple big races besides the hockey going on. Uh, Houston Speedway has a huge race coming up. With the 360s, the 305s, uh, should be a hell of a show up there. 
Absolutely. If you're if you're a three oh uh, three oh five or a three sixty driver, you get to choose where you want to race this weekend. Uh, Houston Speedway is putting uh, together a race uh, Friday. The three sixties pay five thousand to win. Saturday they pay ten thousand to win. So if you're in the area, and I know there's a lot of people that love Houston, and I'm one of them. Uh, but you go up to Houston and support that race on Friday and Saturday. But then you got the Daniel, um, I'm sorry, the the you, you you got the Jesse Hockett Memorial, Daniel McMillan Memorial race on on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday down there in uh, was it Lucas Oil Speedway in uh, Wheatland, Missouri. Yeah, uh, they're paying three thousand. It's an ASCS national event. They're paying three thousand to win on Thursday, Friday, and. 10,000 to win on Saturday with 400 to start. So if you, especially if you're a 360 driver, man, you can choose your pickings. But I know there's 81 pre-entered right now in the Hockett Memor- uh, McMillan Memorial. So maybe you have a little bit better chance of going up to Houston. And if I know, if I was Jack Dover, I know where I'd be going. He, yeah. he swept the outlaw weekend up there in Houston. So go up there and get $15,000 and bring back home to Springfield, Nebraska. Yeah, definitely. That uh, that Houston race is, you know, it's big money. It's, it's an unsanctioned race. I don't think – I think they were going to follow ASAS rules maybe. So, anyways, you know, there's – there's you know, you got big choices to go. Where do you want to go? I mean, $10,000 to win, $10,000 to win the, the main night of racing, no matter where you go, is, is definitely huge. It's great to see these tracks put up some big money for the 360 guys. Yeah, it, it is a ASAS national event, but um, just if COVID wasn't there, maybe I'd be willing to. I would for a two and a half, three hour drive. I, it would, it's easy to drive up to Houston, and so this would be a great weekend to head up that direction. But uh, I don't even think I'm camping this weekend, so I don't know what I'm doing. But uh, I, I'll I'll try to tune in on online and watch one of the races, but. Uh, if you're in the area, definitely go support either one of those races because uh, you're going to be pretty happy. And then uh, a bonus for the Hawkeye McMillian, McMillian, McMillian <laughs> Memorial is uh, that there's 59 Power Eye War Sprint um, cars entered. Those are the non-wing sprint cars. So you're going to get wings and non-wings at, that, at, at Lucas Oil. So it'll yeah, be a great weekend. The Lucas Oil race is definitely a fun race to watch because you have the wing 360s, you have the non-wing cars there. I believe it's going to be broadcasted live on MAV TV and the Lucas Oil app if you yeah. have the yearly subscription. And, um, and they just combined with uh, YouTube TV. So yes. if, you, if you subscribe to YouTube TV, you you get a little bonus there. You get a, get uh, get these races. Now we need to get it on Hulu TV because that's what I have. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're winding down here. We're getting some uh, track champions announced. Uh, Skagit announced their champion, and I for the life of me can't remember that right now. Um, but uh, we're getting some track champions. Uh, um, Attica announced that uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Cap Henry. Cap Henry took the 410 championship up there. He won like 11 or 12 races this year, which is a great season for him. But uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, it's fall season, post Memorial Labor Day weekend, and it's it, things are winding down. And be, <laughs> it just seems like they just got started. Yeah, it's definitely strange. You know, winding down the season already. Uh, you know, Labor Day weekend has always been kind of the the final race for me with the uh eagle 360 not 360 305 nationals uh maybe i'll hit one or two races after that uh right now i don't know when my next race will be if there will even be one uh before the chili bowl so we i i just don't know well i you can wonder what the chili bowl is going to do as well with with covid and well that's that's another argument another discussion but uh yeah, my my racing's over for the year. Uh, I'll I'll wait until 2021 and hopefully I can pick up uh 20 25 races next year. But uh for those of you that are still racing, keep plugging away, man. Uh the, the tracks need your support. 
the teams and drivers need your support. So if you're comfortable, just keep plugging away. You know, you've only been in three races here, but I, I guarantee you watch 50-plus on, on Dirt Vision and Flow Racing. Absolutely. That, the, the money is worth it. Uh, it just works out that my daughter bought a year subscription to Flow Racing, and I buy the year subscription to Dirt Vision. And between the two of us, we're watching racing every weekend, and it just frustrates the hell out of my wife. <laughs> <laughs> she she wants to talk. She wants to hang out at the campfire and so forth. But, uh, yeah, for sure, that, that that's money well spent because uh, – uh, it supports the, the the online streaming. It supports the tracks and so forth. So, uh, and and like we've said several times, uh, when you're done with the race, you uh, log off and then you go to bed three minutes later. So it's it's been a, a for an abnormal year. It's been a pretty good year. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I had a I did a little bit of work with Eagle Raceway this past no, over Labor Day weekend with their uh, their live stream portion of it. I, I filmed some interviews and some pre race shows. I had a blast doing it. I, I kind of want to sit down with Racine a little bit, you know, maybe in the off season and kind of talk about how we can elaborate and do, do something, something a little weekly type deal. You know, it, it was fun doing the interviews. Um, I always imagine, you know, Eagle Raceway is, it's, it's a great facility. There's a lot of cars. Um, there's a lot of eyes on Eagle. It's, it's one, I want to say it's one of the top dirt tracks in, in the, in the States. So if you get that live stream, if we can kind of find a way to bring a production in, like what Dirt Vision does, what yeah, Flow Racing does, yeah. I think it'd be great for the, for the track and just for racing here in general. I would generally agree with you, but with the only thing you're able to offer is three hundred fives. I don't know that there's as big of a demand. I think locally you would get a lot of turnout, um, but nobody's going to tune in nationally. Um, I wish they do have a pretty good stock car field there, so. I know we don't talk about stock cars here much because we are elitist. Okay, <laughs> but I, you know, with with IMCA and whatnot, I think they they could have actually a pretty good deal. I think if you put out a good product, that'll help because uh, the local cable station tried to do that a year or two ago, and it was I don't even want to say average at best. But I watched a few of the nights, and it just really wasn't worth my time to watch it. So um, it would be. I think there's a there's a there's a place for it. But if Eagle Raceway could get some 360, 410 racing back at that track or be willing to do it, and I don't know the dynamics behind why they're not there, and, and it's not my business. but It's if, above my pay grade. Yeah, exactly. If we could get 360s and 410s back at that track, even for like two or three races, or even the midgets, the mid, USAC midgets. Oh, the midgets would be great. If we could get if three. I, if I had the money and you know, won the lottery right, or whatever, and right. I, could, I could rent out a racetrack, definitely not. don't want to own one unless I hire someone else to do it for me. <laughs> but if I could rent a racetrack, I would bring in the midgets. The yeah. midgets would be a great show there. As, you know, and, and, and if you if you piggybacked off of uh, Fairbury and stuff, you could you could get a great car count. But, uh, yeah, and I, if, if they could get those cars back there uh, for two or three races a year, that would be unbelievable, and I think it would be positive for everybody. Definitely, definitely. With that, uh, this weekend, uh, what do you got coming up this weekend? Anything exciting? Uh, we have a birthday party. My daughter oh. turned seven. Actually, she turned seven yesterday. I remember when she was born just yes. just two days ago. Yep. So uh, <laughs> seven. she turned seven yesterday. We had the birthday party on Sunday, and uh, I kind of, bad father, I kind of ditched her last two softball games on Saturdays to go racing. So I want to catch a softball game with her on Saturday her birthday party on Sunday, so uh, we're going to go out to the ice rink, play a little hockey, do some skating. It's going to be a good time. I'm sure she'll enjoy that. Uh, 
I don't know what I have planned. I think uh, the Mrs. IB Racing and myself are going to take the boat out on Sunday, if not Saturday and Sunday, and just kind of spend a nice relaxing afternoon out there at the lake. It's going to be 78, 80 degrees here in Lincoln, Nebraska, so there's no racing in the area. I guess I could go out to I-80 and watch the late model races, but... uh, uh that's, Lame all racing some bitch that one's for you troy sanford <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna have the the best of the best out there but uh i still don't know that it's good enough for me to be out there so i think i'll just go out to the lake and enjoy the lake and have some fun all right before we before we uh let everybody go and uh you know in this broadcast brad did you see from boone the uh stock car crash where the lights fell on top of the stock car unbelievable i cannot imagine the and, and and what uh, a side note is that light that light post I believe saved a videographer. Yes, it life. definitely did. There was a guy standing behind the light post, a video and everything, and he was not moving for nothing. And if that car would have not hit that light post, I think he would have mowed over that videographer, and we would have had a, tra- a tragedy on our hands. But man, it made a mess of that car for sure. It made a mess of the car. The lights fell down on it. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Uh, you know, you mentioned the videographer a little bit. You, me, Jason, we can all, you know, you know, verify that. We've actually backpedaled away from race cars before oh, and, for what we do. And I've stood in that guy's place at Eagle Raceway several times shooting photos, but I, I positioned myself behind that light, light post just in case. And I think I would have moved, though. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, no $10 pictures worth uh, worth that. No, definitely. You know, I, I we, we kid, but, you know, our heads are definitely on a swivel every time we're down in the infield taking photos. And I, I kind of joke with everybody that we pay more attention than the officials do. You have to. I mean, when, when I was a young boy walking into the pits for the first time, my dad always told me, you never turn your back on a sprint car. And I still live that. If I'm in the infield, if I'm in the pits, you, you never – just to put your head down and walk because you you never know what's going to happen it's a dangerous place and so and that that proved it right there i mean the video the videographer thought that taking that picture was more important than than his life but man that that life post saved his life and it and the lights just come crashing out on that car and and uh it was it was an amazing crash and i'm glad nobody was hurt from it yeah you mentioned that you never turn your back on on uh yeah on the uh racetrack when you're uh taking photos and whatnot I get text messages and comments all the time for me walking backwards at Eagle Raceway because I always keep my you know my for head sure. forward on where the action is and uh, I, I walk backwards. You have to. You just have to. All right. So with that, we're going to end this episode. I want to thank everybody for jumping on with us on this edition of Quick Time, the podcast. Thanks again, Sam Haberteeth Jr. Thanks, James Rowland. And Brad has one more thing to shout out. Just, just tell your friends about this podcast. Uh, I, I think it's a great podcast, and maybe I'm biased, but... Uh, uh, it, 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 just share your friends and we'll just keep growing and hopefully we'll uh, make a believer out of, out of everybody. Yeah, definitely. You can check out all the past episodes on our website, quicktimepodcast.com. Check out future episodes and anything else we pa- posted on any major plot podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, we're on there and we'll catch everybody on the flip side.